Good evening, everybody. Appreciate y'all coming out and braving the possible tornadoes. <laughs> tornadoes in the dark are always exciting, aren't they? <laughs> Who knows? Maybe there's one out there right now. <laughs> That's okay. We're in church, and if it, if it hits us, we're all just going to go up like Elisha right now. You know? <laughs> I'm just teasing. Um, I've come to trust God's uh, God's plan for my life. I, I I don't know. I'll risk saying this, okay? I, I I'm I'm a believer in if if you get taken off the earth suddenly, something's wrong. Because <laughs> but I I do believe in God's plan for your life, Amen. And I believe if you're being obedient and if you're stepping into what He's telling you to do. And, and if you and him on the same page, you're not going to be surprised. Like, oh my goodness, I died. <laughs> I don't think that happens if you're, if you're in his will. That's my personal belief. Amen. I see it exemplified in the apostles. I see it in the, in the people that are in the book that follow God. Everybody say follow. I mean, it's one thing if you're going to sow and reap your own life. Who knows? You know, today may be the last day. <laughs> but if you're going to sow and reap his life for you, most of the people I see that do that, they know. They know when it's time. And they know when their season's coming to an end. They know when they've finished their race. They know when they're about ready to go. And I, I just refuse to live in fear of a tornado coming and getting me. Or I refuse to live in fear of getting a car accident. Because I'm driving during rush hour. I refuse to live in fear of COVID, which was a huge deal and now it is not. <laughs> Flip side, I refuse to live in fear of governments and vaccines. I refuse to live in fear of one party or another. Amen. And we're, we can be, we can be uh, justified in our fears. And sound godly and religious. And all it is is, is you just being led by the devil. It's just a different way. Everybody with me? So I'm a big believer in if I'm doing what I know I'm supposed to be doing. And if I'm, if I'm tight with God and I'm listening and I'm sensitive. Stuff isn't supposed to take me by surprise. And I believe that, that that's something that you can... Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know how much assurance you feel like you have on this earth but i would like to think that you have assurance not just salvation assurance but salvation assurance in a now present tense regarding your health everybody say health regarding your finances everybody say finances i mean he's he's a god that that is there with you now right and we were talking about in the old testament i think we're going to do some teaching tonight everybody say teaching I really do believe, you know, if you look at some of the examples in the Old Testament, God was an interactive God. He was not a passive standoffish, set the world to spin and see how they do. He wasn't like that. He was in the middle of the camp. He was talking. He was interacting. He was leading. He was responding. If there was disobedience the next day, you knew it. <laughs> Amen. And he is that same God to you today. But he's not leading a nation or a, a, a ethnicity, a people group. He's leading his body. 
which is comprised of you as individuals. And he's not prophesying through one man to everyone. He's prophesying to every one of you individually. He's speaking to every one of you. Everybody say me. Uh, I believe it. He's speaking to every one of you. He really is. And the only difference between you and me or anybody else is response. It's response to the voice of God. It's response. How do we respond to the voice of God? It's real easy. You know when somebody's responding to the voice of God when they're obeying what they're hearing. Everybody say obey. There is no substitution. No substitution. I want, I want everybody's attention on this. There is. Let's all say this together. There is, there is. No, substitution no substitution for obedience. For obedience. We're going to do it a, a couple more times just because I'm just being led. I really, if, if, if maybe we'll make this the title, okay? <laughs> there, is there is no substitution, no substitution for, obedience. for obedience. One more time. There is, there is. no substitution. For obedience. Okay. Church attendance won't do it. Singing songs won't do it. Okay. Talking the talk won't do it. Reading your Bible won't do it. Praying in the Holy Ghost won't do it. Everybody with me? There's no amount of praying in the Holy Spirit that's going to make you obey. God doesn't do that to you. You have to obey. You have to. Now, He talks to you. And that's how he talks to you is through the Holy Spirit. But there is no substitution for obedience. We keep trying to find them and they don't exist. We keep looking for ways where God can make us do things we don't want to do. And the bottom line is he can give you grace. He can give you words. He can send you prophets. He can give you his word. He can promise you. He can coax you. But in the end, it's taking the steps he's telling you to take. Amen. I want to talk about uh, tongues tonight. I felt, uh, and for some of you, that's an old subject, but I really felt like we're supposed to talk about that. You want to come up here and preach? <laughs> no, you want to do? <laughs> I know what that, I know is that your favorite subject, yeah. Let's all go to, uh, we're going to go to a place you probably don't read that often. We're going to go to Numbers. Everybody say Numbers. <laughs> Numbers chapter 11. Give everybody time. Guys, I'll know where Numbers is. (laughs) Genesis, Exodus. Leviticus, thank you. Numbers, there it is. Deuteronomy is the last of the five. Okay. All right. Numbers 11. We're going to start here in verse 24. So Moses went out. Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord. And I mean, the words of the Lord in this particular setting, you can read in the back if you want. They were he was they were all complaining they didn't have meat to eat. They were tired of the manna. They wanted some meat. Okay, And God said, I'll provide it for all of you. (laughs) And so Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord. But this is what I wanted to focus on here. And he gathered 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tent. 
Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took some of the spirit that was on him, on Moses, and put it on the 70 elders. And as soon as the spirit rested on them, they prophesied. But they did not continue doing it. Now, two men remained in the camp, one named Eldad and the other named Medad, and the spirit rested on them. The spirit rested on them and they were among those registered, but they had not gone out to the tent. And so they prophesied in the camp. In verse 27, and a young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the assistant of Moses from his youth, said, My Lord Moses, stop them. But Moses said to them, said to him, Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit on them. And Moses and the elders of Israel returned to the camp. Everybody say all. I believe Moses was prophesying there. I believe he was seeing and looking towards the day and speaking about a day when not just he would be a voice for God in Israel, but all of the people would have the spirit of God resting on them. And see, in this covenant, you have been given. A opportunity. And a stewardship, everybody say stewardship. Each and every one of you have the same stewardship of the voice of God in your life. That Holy Spirit wants to speak to you, wants to prophesy to you, wants to prophesy through you, wants to inspire what you say, inspire what you do. And that's part of why we have the language of tongues. Everybody say tongues. Because when his spirit was poured out on all flesh, it says their sons prophesied, their daughters prophesied, young men, old men, everybody in the camp. Everybody. And that means you. And that means me. And I don't care how far off that seems. What you need to do is however long that process seems to you, you need to compress it down into a moment because there is really no division between you and the Holy Spirit except stepping out in obedience. Except being a good steward of the Holy Spirit that has been given to you. Amen? See, when you get baptized with the Holy Ghost, what He's doing is He is putting His Spirit upon you in the same way. You know, you look at Moses. Moses was face-to-face friends with God. Right? The things that Moses wrote and the things that Moses said were inspired by God. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, there is a well of inspiration that isn't you that the Holy Spirit wants to draw from. And it is a well of inspiration that is supposed to be what brings life. Everybody say life. It's supposed to be what brings life to your calling. It's supposed to be what brings life to your words. It's supposed to be what brings life to your thoughts, brings life to your family. There are supposed to be rivers, not just river, but rivers of living water flowing out of your innermost being. 
And that rivers of living water originates because the Holy Spirit now resides on the inside of this temple. I am the temple of the Holy Ghost. This is his temple. And he speaks to me and he speaks through me. And that Holy Spirit has given us his prayer language in order to become acquainted with the inspiration of God in our lives. Everybody say inspiration. I don't know. Maybe I'll boil this whole message down into a couple key bullet points. There's no substitute for obedience. And the, that well that's on the inside of you is the source of the inspiration of God. I really like that word right now. Inspiration. Because he is the one that is supposed to be drawing that out. And inspiring what you say. What you think. And the actions and the steps that you're supposed to take. And sometimes the things that he asks you to do or the things you're supposed to to say, they don't always make sense. But that inspiration will come. And in a way, if you allow me, prophecy doesn't always look like words of telling the future. But prophecy, inspiration looks like actions. It looks like visions. It looks like dreams. It looks like changes in life. It looks like if you don't have a regiment... For certain habits and God is giving you ideas and inspiration. It may look like it rearranges your entire morning schedule. That's the inspiration of God in your life. And the Holy Spirit is there to be that inspiration. And he wants to draw that well of inspiration up from your innermost being. As you spend time with him and as you become acquainted with his voice. Everybody with me. I love that. I love this prophecy of Moses. Would that all the Lord's people were prophets. You all are now. Amen. You all have a well to steward. But that well that resides on the inside of you. That well isn't supposed to remain a well. That well is supposed to spring up. What is inside is supposed to spring up. The visual here is what is already in you is supposed to issue out of you. And bring life to others. Everybody with me? Okay. Let's go to, uh, I believe it's 1 Corinthians. Thank you, Jesus. First Corinthians chapter 14. I don't think it's any coincidence that the love chapter is sandwiched in between the two gifts chapter. Everybody with me? If you don't know what I'm talking about, read 1 Corinthians. <laughs> All right. But the, the, the chapter on love, the chapter on character, the chapter on motive. Everybody say motive. Say what's driving you. You notice how, you notice how Moses was not competitive about his gift. <laughs> He's like... Get it away. Give it to everybody. (laughs) And there's a competitive in the church that needs to die. Everybody said competitiveness needs to die. There's a competitiveness in the body of Christ that needs to die. And when when you're worried that somebody else's gift is overshadowing you, you, there's something wrong with your love walk. Okay? When when, I, I really believe some of the stuff that Nathan was saying last night was that there is a there's a way of thinking 
where you're not so insecure about what other people are doing for God that you have to emulate them. (laughs) You're not so insecure about what other people are hearing. God spoke through them in a miraculous way. I want to do it like that. You need to just find your security in who God has called you to be. Amen. You will never be able to duplicate how Nathan and God have a relationship any more than you will be able to duplicate anyone else. The only thing that you can do is hook up to him. Amen. And I like the. I've heard this example for a long time. I'm going to share this because I don't know if everybody's heard it, but I like that picture of how it's the same power source that we all hook up to, but we all have a different way it expresses itself. You can plug a blender into a socket and it's going to blend. You can plug a toaster into a socket and it's going to toast. Okay, we're all different gifts, but it's the same power that flows through all of us. Amen. And there is a jealousy that's in the body of Christ that we need to get rid of. Because the real, the only competitiveness I have is with the devil. (laughs) The only the only fight I have is with his kingdom. I don't have any fight with who is the best in the body of Christ in Marshalltown. I would that every single church were full and filled with the Holy Ghost. I would that every single church put the banner of Jesus above the banner of whatever name it was that was on their church. It's not who gets the most people. It's is the city saved? (laughs) Are the people free from sin? Are drugs cast out of this place? I don't care where they go to church if everybody is seeking Jesus. Everybody with me? I'm not trying to de-emphasize Great Commission at all. But I'm saying that the competitiveness that's in the body of Christ is not of Him. Because there's only one body. Amen. And there's a lot of people... I'm going to say this again. Look for fruit in spite of how they describe their doctrine. If you see fruit of love and joy and peace and patience in people's life, you look for that. And they might have some doctrines that need tweaking. I probably have some doctrines that need tweaking too. (laughs) Amen. But look for fruit. Because the biggest doctrines that matter are the ones that I know I'm supposed to love you. I'm supposed to walk in freedom. I'm, I'm not supposed to be offended being around you. Amen. Hallelujah. Everybody in First Corinthians. First Corinthians 14. Verse one, pursue love and. They're not mutually exclusive. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. I've had people say, well, I've got love. I don't need the spiritual gifts. That's not what he said. (laughs) That's not what don't 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 fight with me. (laughs) You don't have to choose one or the other. Well, I'm so I'm so much more mature than you because I love you. (laughs) Yeah, but you're missing the point. Okay, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Anyway, I had a guy debate with me about that once, and I'm thinking of him right now. Especially that you may prophesy. Everybody say prophesy. For one who speaks in tongues speaks not to men, but who? To God. Okay. 
So if you're speaking in other tongues, I'm not speaking to other men. Men don't understand me. I'm speaking to God, my father. There's a language that he has given you. And when you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, I mean, you read through Acts. You do it. If you don't believe me, read through the books of Acts. And one of the telltale signs that the apostles used. Everybody say apostles. Not me. Apostles. One of the telltale signs the apostles used for the verification that they had been filled with the spirit was they all spake with other tongues. Go read Acts. They all spake with other tongues. Now, here's what Paul's teaching on. He says, for those who speak in a tongue, speak not to men. So we're not talking about a language that you understand. It's not like English right now that everybody's comprehending up here. Okay. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. Everybody say mysteries. When I spend time in prayer, I don't neglect to pray in English. But I also don't neglect to pray in the spirit. You need both. Everybody say both. Don't just pray in tongues and not pray in English. But don't just pray in English and not pray in tongues. I pray with my understanding, but there's things that you don't understand that you need to pray too. Amen. One of the things that the Holy Ghost taught me about praying in other tongues, he says, you don't even realize how much you prophesy in your messages. That's what he told me. And, and, and it's because of the familiarity with praying in other tongues. Because when you're praying in other tongues, looking at everybody, okay, when I pray in other tongues, I didn't have to give that any thought whatsoever. <laughs> that was inspiration. Everybody say inspiration. I did not have to. Okay, I'm going to memorize that so I know how to say that. In the, it's in the moment. <laughs> when we would play jazz in, uh, in uh, middle school, uh, we had, oh, I forget, when we would do solos, and there was a name for it. Somebody remind me if you know it. Improvisation. There it was. <laughs> Thank you. We would have improvisation. It was one of my favorite times because you would be given a context. You would have a scale and, it, you, you know, you couldn't just play any note. But if it fit within that that song, you just get on there and do whatever came into your heart and you just have an improvisation. And the Holy Ghost wants to get a hold of you and your heart and give you inspiration for your life that's directed by him. And it's issuing out. It's a river of living water that brings inspiration to your mind. And when you're praying in other tongues, you're becoming familiar and you're allowing the Holy Ghost to pray for you. But you're also becoming familiar with the well. Everybody said the well. You're becoming familiar with the well that issues out his inspiration. And and so... Uh, when I first started preaching, one of the biggest battles I had to face in my preaching, you know, early, early on was this and this, these two things, because this has got an agenda and this has got an inspiration. Everybody with me? You understand the visual? OK, don't fight me on details. This is just how I'm showing you. OK, and so I'd come up here with a plan and I'd have to decide how long am I going to hold on to my plan? I'd have to decide how long am I going to spit this script out that I've got written down. Okay. Now, to those that resist the Holy Spirit or to those that don't receive his leadership like this, they don't prophesy. What they do is regurgitate understanding of their own. 
Everybody with me? Churches that don't allow the free flow of the Holy Spirit, they regurgitate their own understanding and to the level of their understanding that they're spitting out at you is what you're receiving. But you are capped off at whoever that is. And you are capped off at the level of their intelligence. And you're not even receiving from God so much as you're receiving maybe second, third hand information about reading of the scriptures. But see, inspiration and prophecy is God inspired speech through your heart to your mouth that's coming. And I can feel it right now, even as I'm preaching to you, it's like I'm praying in tongues. Is everybody with me? Because I, I didn't come up here and contrive all this. It's just, I, I might as well be praying in the Spirit. <laughs> That's prophecy. Everybody understand? And see, when you're prophesying, it is understanding that your mind is in God's hand like that. And your heart is in God's hand. And He's got a free flow from what He's got inspired in His mind coming up through your heart and out your mouth. Amen. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God, for no one understands him. We do that all the time in private, and you should. You should become acquainted with that well. But he utters mysteries in the spirit. Verse three. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people. Everybody say people. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding. I'm doing the ESV, okay? I've adapted. I'm not just King James anymore. (laughs) For their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. Praise God for that. Amen. Don't stop doing that. Okay? But the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. And I'd have guys argue with me on that and say, see, we don't have to pray in tongues. If, if we're prophesying, it's better than tongues. You, you compl- completely miss the point. You completely miss the point. How are you going to prophesy without tongues? <laughs> because without tongues, there's nothing to interpret. You're just saying, I'm going to I'm going to issue out a river out of a dry well. What? Say what? You know, it was actually that's anyway, he doesn't go here. So don't try and figure out who that is. <laughs> But I, I got in a fight with him, you know, I was just talking. <laughs> He's like, well, so those that prophesy are better than those that pray in tongues. But you don't pray in tongues, so how can you prophesy? All those that prophesy pray in tongues. Amen? Okay? Because prophecy is the interpretation of the tongue. All right? The one who speaks to in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. Why? Because you're doing more than just yourself. You're helping those around you. Amen. And I would go so far as to say that there's prophecy that occurs in a sense when the inspiration of God is given obedience, when it's fleshed out. When you see that guy that Nathan was talking about that needs the $10 bill and that inspiration comes in the same way when you're praying in other tongues in your own prayer closet, you feel that inspiration rise up on the inside of you. This is not me. This is God's voice. Step out and obey and give the $10. And and then all of a sudden you start sharing with that guy and he starts getting touched by God because there's a life flow inspiration behind it. It's not a program. It's not a formula. It's not a mechanical thing. 
Okay? The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, okay, so that the church may be built up. Now what he's describing there, sometimes in a service, there might be one person that has an inspiration of tongues that's supposed to be given in a public assembly. Public assembly. But then there's also another in the gift is divided. Okay. One may pray in an unknown tongue, but then another may step up and say, this is what the Lord is saying. Okay. But then that gift can merge again into one person and say, this is what God is sharing to the body. And there is no interpretation. And what I think it is, is it is a stepping stone for those that are starting to step into the gifts. Everybody say gifts. So there's a stepping stone process there from somebody that's praying in the spirit in their own time. And then they pray in the spirit in a service and they know it's inspired of God, but they don't have the interpretation. Somebody else does. And it's it's not just a uh, a futile exercise. It's stair stepping people into the gifts in a public assembly. And I believe it also shows an image that you are not separate from me and I'm not separate from you. I need your gift and you need my gifts. What an awesome thing for one to be inspired to say something in the spirit and another to be inspired to give the interpretation of it. And we've had that happen here. And God wants to use those gifts. Amen. God wants to use those things and build build a camaraderie between us. Okay, that camaraderie is necessary. There needs to be an explosion of the gifts of the spirit in your life. But the the. The, the beginnings, the trickles of that stream, almost like, you know, when they see the, 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 the trickles of the river starting at the, the top of the mountain and at the end of it, it's, a, it's the Mississippi or it's the Missouri or it's a big, big river. It starts with your private prayer closet. It starts when you're praying in the spirit, praying in the spirit, praying in the spirit. And, it's, and it starts with that. But the end is a river. The end is rivers. Amen. Everybody with me. Okay. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will it benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments such as the flute or the harp do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves... If with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourself, since you are eager for the manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel. And this is where the context of love comes in, not jealousy. Okay? not competition. Strive to excel in the building up of the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? 
For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not built up. Everybody with me? And see, what, what the first expression that's going to occur after you start spending time praying in the Holy Ghost is there's going to be prophecy. There's going to be inspiration. And it's a really practical thing. Everybody say practical. It's really practical. It's an inspiration. It's God talking to you. And it's how you become acquainted with those things. It's how you start stepping off in what you're called to do. What you're, you're calling is not something you just brain out. Everybody with me? I'm going to figure out what my calling is. You, you better pray too. Right? Because your calling is an expression. Everybody say expression. Your calling is an expression of that river of living water flowing out. It is a life of prophecy. It is a picture. It's a prophetic picture of who you're supposed to be. And it's inspired. And you can't contrive it. You can't fake it. You can't just say, I'm called to be a worship leader and not have a prayer life. You can't just say, I'm called to preach and not have a prayer life. You can't, you can't just put yourself in a school and learn about the Bible and have them spit you out and go find a job at a church. That is not enough. There's no life in that. Have the life accompany of that. Let God inspire you to do that. Let God inspire you where to go. But don't just go do it. Everybody with me. Let God inspire your business decisions. I probably had a dozen ideas for businesses this year. And for various reasons, I keep hitting. No, not there. No, not there. And I got to pray it out. Everybody say pray it out. I've got to pray it out. And if it's a fear that's getting in my way, I got to pray it out. He's the one that gives you the inspiration, though. And he's the one that's going to let you know, hey, you're building an Ishmael. Everybody say Ishmael. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean when I say Ishmael? Ishmael was Abraham's idea, not God's idea. <laughs> and we'll see, we can have ideas, but they're not inspired. And if the Lord isn't the one building the house, I don't want to take care of it. Amen. If the Lord isn't the one that's inspiring it, I don't want to have to take care of it. All that means is he's going to have to reroute me later and I've wasted time. All that means is he's going to have to lop it off later and I'm going to have to face a decision. Okay, that wasn't God. I'm sorry. I wasted all that time. Amen. That's why we stay close. Everybody say close. That's why we stay close to the Holy Spirit. That's why he gave us a prayer language. That's why he's inspiring our speech. And the first step of inspiration is this language that you don't get to understand. Praise God. And he wants to pray for you. Everybody say me. He wants to pray for you. And God forbid we don't let him. You know what I mean? God forbid we don't get acquainted with that. Because every single one of you is a well that is supposed to issue out rivers of living water. And we need... We, I, all, all of us need the giftings that are in everybody here. We all need those rivers. Okay. It is not enough to have Pastor Roberta have the river. It's not everybody get in Roberta's river. Everybody with me. Everybody has to have a river that's issuing out that's supposed to reach this community. It's supposed to reach this country. It's supposed to reach this world. And the body of Christ 
I really believe what Nathan was saying was really prophetic. Not just It's not just doctrinally right. It's prophetic for our time period. It's time for the rock star preachers to take a seat. It's time for the one man shows to take a seat. And I'm so grateful for the pioneers that were before us that did break into uh, healing crusades. You can, you can read some tremendous things about those people. I'm so grateful for them. That they were pioneers in those areas. But what we need and what God has always wanted would that all of his people prophesied. Would that all of his people issue out that river. Amen. Are you encouraged to pray in the spirit? <laughs> I don't think it was supposed to go very long tonight. It's in getting acquainted with that same spirit that's resident on the inside of you that you begin to recognize his voice when he's leading you. And if you, if you, I understand, I really do. I understand the battles and the confusions that come. I understand your mind and your heart going to war with each other. I understand when you got fears and you're like, is that God or is that just me being afraid? I'm, there's only one solution and it's not to talk to a bunch of people. <laughs> it's not to sit in church and ask your pastor. Now, praise God, if they do happen to have something for you, they might. But would that everyone prophesied. Amen. And you're the very first one that's going to be the you're going to be the one that receives that fruit, that relationship. You're going to be the first one to eat the fruit of that. And you're going to be able to say, that's because I know God. <laughs> And it's going to build your confidence and it's going to build your and it's, it's going to manifest itself in all kinds of ways with your kids. Everybody say my kids with your kids, with your family, with your spouse. <laughs> in the little things. Before we came to church tonight, I had a I had a thought come through me. He says, Nat needs to take a break tonight. She was. Huh? Oh, I said, well, before I came to church tonight, I had a thought. And it was the Holy Spirit said, Nat needs to take a break tonight. And so she mentioned it to me. She says, but I'm, I'm ready to go. I said, no, you're right. You need to take a break tonight. Take a break. That's the Holy Ghost. Everybody say Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. And, 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 not, and especially if you're married. Let me tell you something. If you're married, God's heart for marriages is that you would be a confirmation for each other. God's heart for marriages is not for one to be distanced from the other, but for you to be in lockstep. To take steps into what God has called you to do together. He's not interested in one flying high and the other left on the sidelines. Amen. I really believe there's graces that God puts together. And when you're married and you're both saved and there's a, a grace that's supposed to work with each other. You have you have a grace and your spouse has a grace and they're like puzzle pieces that fit together. And you not only need to learn how to work together with the Holy Ghost, but you need to learn how to work together with your spouse and to be able to hear what they're saying that's from God. Because next to the Holy Ghost, there's probably no other greater voice in your life than your spouse. And you guys need to be in unity. Everybody say unity. I don't know if everybody wants to hear this, but I'm going to say it. There are things that my wife knows that are from God that she hears way quicker than I do. And there are things that I hear way quicker from God than she does. There's areas of discernment that I have 
where I recognize a threat and she'd walk right into it. (laughs) And there's sensitivities that she has about people that I don't have. And we need each other. Amen. You need your spouse. You need to respect the gift that's on them. You need to everybody say respect. They're a child of God and you're joined together with them. And ultimately you what you're stewarding is not even your spouse. Ultimately, it's his child. You're stewarding a child of God that you're partnered with here. Amen. You've got to respect the gift that's on them. Because ultimately, ultimately, they're your brother and your sister in Christ. Amen. Listen to them. Respect what they're saying. There's wisdom in what they're saying. And I can see so many couples, and it just feels like I see this on repeat almost, that if they would come together and be in unity, they would have really, really whole counsel of God. But each one of them has part and they're missing it because they're opposites. But if you could learn to humble yourself, everybody say humble. <laughs> and that's one of the things we talked about a couple nights ago. You know, you got to stay humble. You got to stay teachable. That's one of the things Peter said. You all submit to each other. OK, and when you stay humble, you stay receptive and you stay open and, and you, you're able to receive things from people because ultimately Ultimately, it's about the message, not the person. Everybody with me? God will challenge you. He he will send you people you don't respect to speak into your life. Everybody with me? He will send you people you do not respect. But what you can't get away from is when you hear the voice of God through their mouth. I might not respect you, but you God, that's truth. You're speaking to me. Amen. I shared this story a couple of weeks ago when I was in Louisiana and it's coming up. So I'm going to share it again. One of the first ways that God rerouted me, I was missing it. Everybody say missing it. <laughs> I was missing it. I was in college. I was at ORU. I was so gung ho about being in a ministry. I, I knew I was called to preach. And so like I had just to give you an example, I thought, well, I'm going to get a theology degree. Right. So I got a, an evangelism degree at Oral Roberts University. And I think my dad knew right when I signed up, he knew that was wrong. But I think my dad also knew I can't tell him that. <laughs> so he probably just prayed for me. I don't know. Maybe mom can tell you. Because I can remember that day when I was signing up for classes and he just kind of kept quiet and watched, you know, just, <laughs> yeah, just good. You know, you could just tell he wasn't on board, but he wasn't openly going to say anything. I signed up and, and uh, I got about two thirds of the way through that semester and I was allowed to make a mistake for that semester. And two thirds of the way through that semester, I was down in the, the uh, uh, cafeteria in the bottom level where they had a Chick-fil-A. They had Chick-fil-A at ORU. Okay. And all I wanted to do was get a chicken sandwich. And so I got my chicken sandwich. I was standing in line. I had my card to pay. And this little lady that I did not know, I don't know, I don't know who she was. She didn't ask me my name. I don't know her name. I never had a conversation with before at all. And, and it was one of the strangest God ordained interactions I've ever had with anybody. And I was standing there. I wanted to buy my chicken sandwich. All I wanted to do was eat, you know. And she said, "What's your degree? <laughs> What's your degree?" like, well, my name is Richard. Thank you. <laughs> that was my thought. You know, that's what I said. 
what's your degree? You know, it's just real. I think the Spirit of God got a hold of this lady. She says, what's your degree? I said, well, I'm, I'm an evangelism major. You know, I got people. This is the way I think. There's people building up behind me, you know. <laughs> Let's get the queue going, you know. <laughs> I got homework to do. Going somewhere I don't know, you know. <laughs> She's like, what's your degree? I said, well, I'm an evangelism major. She says, evangelism. <laughs> She's like, what are you going to do with that? And so I'm like, sandwich people. <laughs> questions i don't know you you know what you going to do with that i said well i know there's a lot of churches in tulsa um <laughs> that they look for oru students I'm, i could get a job that one of these churches you know they'll see my evangelism major and they'll give me a job somewhere you know and i was just kind of shooting off the cuff and i think she could tell you know she knew i didn't really have it planned out she just she just I don't know if she knew all this, but but I could feel it. I could feel the, what are you doing? I could feel it. I don't know what she felt. And I was saying all this, and she says, you're going to spend $80,000 on an evangelism degree? And I'm like, yeah, I am. (laughs) I was on scholarship, okay? It wasn't going to cost me that much, but... But I'm like, what, where is this coming from and who are you? And why can't I just get my sandwich? <laughs> and, uh, okay, bottom line is, bottom line is, that, that was pretty much the end of the interaction. It was one of the strangest things. And she says, you're going you're gonna to spend $80,000 and get an evangelism degree and you're not, you're not sure why you're doing it or what you're doing? And bottom line is, what are you going to do? You know, I think she felt a little strange. I felt really strange. <laughs> we ended up checking out. I got my sandwich and I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> and it was, I mean, the, now I don't know who that was. I, she wasn't some great pastor or voice in my life. It wasn't the mighty man of God I hoped it would be. You know, it was somebody else that I didn't respect, that I didn't know, but I couldn't get away from the witness of God. And you're going to find that God will speak through some of the strangest people. He'll speak through your kids. He'll speak through people because God can use you. Everybody say me. God can use people you don't think about. He, he used a donkey to speak to Balaam. He can use anybody. Amen. He's God. That's how much better he is than you. <laughs> That's how much he make up for it. So I, as long as you're humble, he will find a way to lead you. And he knew I was humble, even though I was on the, on the wrong path. And I can remember it was later that week. Mom probably still remembers. I was just because that kept gnawing at me, that kept working on me, that kept witnessing to me. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. And I felt it. And I broke down crying and I was just my everything was falling apart and in, in what I thought I was supposed to be doing. And I called mom and I said, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing getting this degree. And I think dad already knew. I don't know. Maybe mom did too. But by the end of that session, we had prayed. Everybody say prayed. We had spent time praying in the spirit. We'd given it to God. Said, God, I'm sorry. I don't know if I'm doing the right thing or not. Humble myself under your mighty hand. You know. And by the end of that week, I, I had to switch some things around. But by the next semester, before I'd wasted another semester, I'd switched to a business degree which is way more in line with what I'm supposed to be doing in some things. Because I mean, if you love God, if you love God and you're called to preach, 
Holy Spirit can be your teacher. I'm not against a theology degree, but Holy Spirit can be your teacher. Amen. I do not have a doctorate of divinity, but I know him. <laughs> Amen. And, and, if, and if you can be a preacher and not get a degree from man that says they're okay. Hallelujah. And so I, got a, I, I switched to a business degree. I got equipped with a lot of things that I know that I will need and that God gave me. And it's part of my calling. And it, and it just set me up to go a different direction. And it was the right thing to do. And that's what God wants to do with you. And I, can, I could spend the next hour going over like a, a, a half dozen of those big decisions. Everybody say big. Big decisions were jobs I didn't take. Schools I didn't go to. Things where he would arrest my heart and tell me, not this, this. And it's how you sow the seeds of inspiration in your life. The same way that you know what to say in the moment because of the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. It is that same wellspring that rewrites your life to be in accordance with his will. Does that make sense? Pray in the spirit. Everybody say pray. Hallelujah. I have not called you to wander and to be in confusion. And I have not called you to step into this trap and to waste these years. But I have called you to be led by my spirit. And I've called you to step into things in an on-purpose, systematic way. I've called you to relationship with me. And relationship with me is a walk of faith and not of sight. So learn what trust means, not in yourself. Do not lean on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge me. And I will direct your path. For I've not called you to wander and be an orphan and to find your own way groping in the dark. But I have called you to walk by my light and my counsel and my wisdom and that wellspring of life that is inspiring the tongues and inspiring the words and inspiring actions will bring a fruitfulness to your life that cannot come any other way. So do not neglect my spirit and do not neglect the stewardship of that language that I've given you. For if you are a faithful steward of the stream of my prayer, you will be a faithful steward of the gifts and you will be a faithful steward of my direction and you will come to value my words above your daily food. Do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will. Everybody say he, he will direct your path. Amen. Father, we thank you that you've not left us orphans, but you've given us a way to know you. 
You've given us a way to be inspired by you. You've given us a way to be led by you. Life doesn't have to be boring and predictable, stretching straight out to the horizon. But you have given us your spirit. Our life can be one of victory and excitement and joy and battles and trials, but trust through it in Jesus' name. So we thank you that you've not left us orphans. And we will not neglect your spirit. Everybody say it. Amen.